going on, everybody? Welcome back to Kicks and Picks Podcast. We are here on the international break, but the show does not stop there. We're going to take you guys through all of the storylines in the Premier League and Serie A leading up to this point. Might even talk a little bit about the international fixtures. Coach Steve not able to make it tonight, so we have found a very capable replacement. You guys know him as the host of the Interviews podcast, Johnny Paterno, at SauceGMP on Twitter. Johnny, thank you so much for joining us. Long overdue. We've had Alex on. You guys have, have had us on to your show. Uh, we are delighted for you to let your football knowledge shine here with us tonight. No, man, I appreciate the invite. I mean, I will be I will say I'm a little offended that Alessandro got an invite before me, but you know what? I won't hold it against you guys. So look at if, just uh, if you here. recall, you, you couldn't make it, so he filled in your spot. But yeah, but you know, I would have you, you should have just skipped him. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love <laughs> I love Alex, so <laughs> yeah, and if uh if you guys haven't checked that show out, uh, I'm guessing if you're listening to us, you probably listened to them at some point. Awesome show, awesome guys. So uh, we're going to put your football knowledge it. to the test. Scotty, let, let's get the, the bullshit out of the way. We had a disaster of a week last week, uh, one and nine. We, everything went against us. We took some trap lines two weeks in a row. Uh, two weeks ago, we, we made it out okay. This last week uh, didn't go in our favor. We got trapped. Yeah, I mean, credit to us for talking about it on an off week when we could have just buried it and never addressed it and, and gone on with our lives, nope. but no, we'll, we'll nope. address the elephant in the room. I mean, only I can go and three while betting three of the top four clubs in, in England, uh, to win. Um, somehow they all found a way to either lose or, or draw. Um, so maybe I have, maybe I have the emotion right now. I got, I'm gonna have to figure out a way to, to recover from this. Cause it's, it was a kind of an, an upsetting weekend for, for three of us. Yeah, listen, if we're going to brag about our good weeks, we got to be honest about the bad ones, right? And it lives out there for everybody to hear, so no no running away from it. But you talked about the Premier League. Let's just get right into it because uh, crazy weekend. Things are starting to, to shape, shape themselves out. They're starting to get shook up a little bit. We have Tottenham. They spent the first 10 match weeks with at least a share of first place since... I think uh, we take credit for this on the show. We, we've bet them back-to-back weeks. They lost in back-to-back weeks. Last week in the stoppage time collapse at Wolves, all the way down to fourth in the table. So the question, and it's not the first time we've asked it this year, but I want to get Johnny's thoughts. We're going to do a buy or sell. Buying or selling Tottenham and steady the ship, finish in the top five, a.k.a. Champions League qualification. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and buy that. You know, just looking at their their roster, I like the way Ange has them playing. I think he's utilizing a lot of guys that Antonio Conte, well, he didn't have the opportunity to work with Destiny Udoji, but I think that he's he's getting the best out of a lot of his reinforcement players. Um, I mean, James Madison, you could make an argument for him being like signing of the season there. So, um, yeah, no, I, I love what they're doing. I'm not the biggest Vicario fan. I mean, I think you know, Nick, my my thoughts on that, where I had issues with his rebound control. It seems like he's got that kind of figured out so far at, at Tottenham. But um, top five, if that really is what it, what it takes uh, for the UCL in there, I mean, I don't see them. I mean, right now they're only, what, two points out of first? I have no – I don't see them fading. I don't know if they'll win the league, maybe – but I could see them easily getting, you know, top four, no problem with the with the, the the way he's got them playing. It's definitely an exciting brand of football, and 
and he's getting you know a lot out of guys that not a lot was too much expected out of Destiny and, and Madison. I mean, we knew what we saw with him with Lester, but yeah, very excited uh, with the way they're playing. Yeah, I guess I'll I'll take the counterpoint for that. So I'll I'll sell this. Um, I do agree. I think Postecoglou has done a really good job with with Tottenham. I think that's the the good news for Spurs fans right now is it seems like they finally found their manager after a few painful uh, trial and errors with some of the bigger names in Europe. Um, but but Ange has certainly got them playing in, a, in an attractive way that has been getting them plenty of results. Um, I'm selling it because I think. You know, the, the Chelsea game, there's been a lot made of, you know, what they lost there. It wasn't just the points, but, you know, they, they lost Madison to injury. They lost uh, Mickey Vendeven, who has been a, a great center half for them all season long to it seems like it'll be a couple months of, of a hamstring injury. And, and as you guys know, you know, hamstring injuries tend to linger. Um, so that might be something that he has to deal with just for the rest of the season. Um, and so I, th- I think there's going to be concerns around whether the depth that they have can, you know, replicate the success of that starting 11 has seen through the first 10 matches of the season. Um, you know, the other concern I have is, you know, we, we talk about AFCON a lot, but there's also the, the Asia cup where that also takes place in January. And so sun's going to be gone for three or four matches in January. So I I think, you know, without Madison, probably in January without sun, you know, uh, or Charleston, even though he hasn't done much this season, he's just had knee surgery. So he's probably not going to be available. They're going to have some pretty thin, attacking options um for you know a good six week period there um and that's really what the strength of their their early success was was backed off of right they they scored two plus goals in, in pretty much every one of their first nine matches so i think with that offensive uh you know maybe weakness they might see some points getting dropped whether it's you know one one draws or or even losses i, I think that's enough to kind of drop them down a bit and then you look at the people who are behind her, the teams that are behind them. I think Newcastle, they're also dealing with their own injury crisis, but they have that that checkbook that can be opened up in January that can you know paper over a lot of the cracks. Um, so I think they'll be challenging. I think United have kind of found their form a little bit in England. Um, certainly had a lot of early season struggles, but they're now in sixth place, 21 points, so just five points behind Tottenham, which is pretty surprising given how strong Tottenham started the season and how poorly United started the season. And then you've got the the wild cards, you know, Aston Villa and Brighton have been pretty strong to start the season. You know, Brighton, we know what they were capable of all last season and, and Deserby certainly has them playing well. They've lost a lot of players and, and their results in the last couple of matches. I think they haven't won in five or six weeks. So that's certainly a little bit of a, a, a struggle. But, you know, Aston Villa, they, they've been strong. They score a lot. Ollie Watkins, big, uh, we're big fans of him on this podcast. Okay. You know, they've got some decent players that can you know help compete so i think tottenham are certainly gonna have their work cut out for them i'm gonna sell it just because i think their depth right now is is gonna have to really step up and you know the miracles that that postecoglou has done so far has been certainly encouraging but there's only so much you can ask of the man so that's where i'm at with with tottenham right now yeah uh, i'm somewhere in between the two of you i think um johnny's absolutely right the signings have been outstanding i wasn't all that high on madison coming in right i, I thought that was just like uh an okay move at the time, but he has been outstanding. Uh, Ricardo, you mentioned his shot stopping is, you know, it's making the difference. It's made the difference in a lot of early games this year. Um, but, you know, Scott's right. I, I didn't even consider uh, the, the Asia Cup. That's yeah, I forgot about that too. Point. So wasn't even on my radar, but I, I think, you know, we have to look, right? City, Liverpool, Arsenal are ahead of them. I think those three are pretty much locks for the top four at this point in time. So now, as you mentioned, Scotty, you got five teams fighting for two spots. Um, you know, you mentioned depth. I don't know how Villa's depth looks. I don't really know how Brighton's depth looks. 
Um, United, you know, seven wins, five losses. If any of those losses turn into draws, all of a sudden they're kind of in the mix, despite, as you mentioned, right, uh, us perceiving them as having a terrible year or a terrible start to the year. So can they hold on without reinforcements? I really don't know, but their defensive record through 12 games gives me hope. I'm more inclined to buy it than I am to sell it just because I think all of these teams are going to go through similar struggles, right? You got Brighton who doesn't have a win in their last five, Um, you know, Newcastle treading water. So it's going to come down to, I think some of the the big head to head matchups and so far Tottenham's done. Okay. Right. Got that win against Liverpool. Um, I'm pretty sure they played Arsenal. Well, I'm, I'm struggling to recall game by game, but, They've been in the thick of it, and you know, twelve games to me is enough of a sample size to say that they're going to stick around. They're going to give it a go. I mean, I don't see them finishing worse than sixth, so I'm a little more inclined to buy it. Yeah, I think it might actually come down to just those last two months of the season, which it so often does, right? You know, when when you have a little bit more parity in the Premier League now, similar to kind of what we see in Serie A. Um, I think having a strong, you know, final six, seven, eight weeks. You know, that can be the difference. And, and if they, you know, are down by you know three or four points, they can make up a lot of ground. So um, I, I think they'll struggle in this middle period, the holiday period. Uh, and then it's just a matter of kind of regrouping. And once it gets to March and making that charge. All right. Fair enough. Um, let's talk about another team, City. They have been the title favorites for what feels like the last 10 years. Uh, I think this year they're looking a little more vulnerable, maybe than in seasons past. Four goals conceded last week to Chelsea in Scott's bet the mortgage game. Uh, They've dropped a point in 25% of the matches so far this year. So uh, 12 games, you know, one draw, two losses. Buy or sell, the field can pull off a Premier League title upset. So that's any team outside of Manchester City. Man, it's, it's, it's hard to bet against Man City and the way Pep has them playing. Yes, it hasn't been the greatest start, and it hasn't been the prettiest brand, um, especially giving a four goals to Chelsea, who is a club I just love ripping on. So to see that end in a draw was was definitely not uh, the most, uh, I guess, the, yeah, the, the prettiest way for a, a match to end. So it was a little bit um, disappointing in that regard. I would have bet on them if I, if I could have as well. I would have put the house on it. Um, so I guess I am going to lean more towards the field. Liverpool are strong. And even though, you know, Salah is going to leave in January as well for the AFCON, yeah. um, they do have depth up front. They are able to interchange those forwards. Uh, Arsenal has been a strong team as well, even though they've dropped points to clubs. They probably shouldn't be dropping points too. But only one loss in the league, I think, is always going to be good for you if you can just continue to eke out draws if you have to. And then, like you said, we said, you know, Tottenham, they're only two points back. Villa's had a solid start and, and you know, so yeah, it's, I, I would, I would lean more towards the field, although it'd be hard really to, to bet against Man City. Yeah. I think this season really does seem like, you know, a year for, for one of these other clubs to step up and, and, you know, make a, a good faith challenge on it. Um, Liverpool certainly looked really strong, had a few results go there, go against them. Um, you know, the Tottenham loss was a big one. That one kind of was, was a little unfortunate, but, uh, you know, it's going to be telling, you know, coming out of break, Manchester City and Liverpool are, are facing each other. And I think that match is going to do is going to tell us a lot about, you know, 
what the the direction of Man City is going to be probably for the next couple of months. Um, they will get Kevin De Bruyne back at some point closer to the end of this calendar year. Um, we all know what he can bring and, and how important he is to you know Manchester City or really any club. Um, honestly, he's that kind of a player. Um, so the question for me is, you know, yeah, how does Liverpool cope without Salah? You know, last season, I think we, we were kind of critical of him and, and what he was and wasn't doing um, when Liverpool struggled pretty much all season long. This season, there's been no doubt. he's He's been, you know, absolutely the player that he's been for Liverpool the four or five years leading up to that um, scoring and, and assisting in, in pretty much every match. So his loss will be felt. Um, it, it's going to be up to you know Nunez to to really get a bit more consistent with his finishing. Um, you know Jota has been great the last few weeks, so he'll have to step up. And then you know hopefully Diaz and, and um, uh, Gakpo can stay healthy because um, then that's that should be enough to kind of weather the storm. Arsenal should be pretty poised to to continue their challenge based off of last season. I know you know the results weren't super convincing to start the season, but that's somehow. Or sometimes how you have to, you know, make your your title run is to grind out those wins when you aren't playing your best. Um, so if, if they can get healthy, obviously they're dealing with some injuries on their own. You know, they, they should certainly be well poised to to make that charge. Um, so I, I think I'm inclined to to buy the field in this one. Uh, we also know historically it's it's very hard to three peat in, in the Premier League. Um, so I, I think that's also kind of going up against City. Um, so I, I'll, I'll buy the field for now. But if, if Kevin De Bruyne comes back and looks super uh, refreshed and, and ready to go for the last three or four months of the season, having sat out, you know, basically every match since September, um, then I'll be concerned because at that point you can't bet against City with that attack. Yeah, <clears throat> two ways to look at it. So I, I'm going to buy this because I think if somebody's going to take down City, this is the year to do it for all the reasons both of you guys mentioned. But if you're looking at the, if you're a club in the top three, top four, top five, you're saying, okay, city hasn't looked invincible. This is great. Shit. They're still in first place. Yeah. Or are you looking at it saying, Hey, we're only one point back a city, you know, 12 games in, um, you know, you mentioned Arsenal. They're particularly intriguing to me because they haven't looked nearly as good as they did last year. They only have one loss. Um, yeah. Liverpool, you know, we, we talk about them week in and week out. They're, depth in the midfield and up front is the best in the league. So that will continue to carry them. They also amazingly have only given up 10 goals. I, I think that's like incredible when you consider um, they have the best keeper in, some, in Europe, but well, well that's, may not that's what I was getting for to. It. <laughs> um, you know, the, some of the def- defenders they've trotted out there, that that's a miracle, but Allison's been awesome. So I feel like you have to have the hope and the belief if you're sitting, you know, with 20 points or more that, City has not run away with this league yet. Drop points in three games. Um, but are you going to ever bet against City? Are you ever going to bet against Pep? Holland hasn't even really gotten going in the league yet. So that's, to me, the scariest thing that's still in front of us. Because he's he's proven it, right? Every year of his career, every competition he's played in, this guy scores goals. So if he goes on a streak where he scores in five straight games, you know, that, that's five games that City probably isn't losing. So that's what worries me a little bit. But I think these teams have gonna, done a good job of beating up on each other so far that we could put our faith and we could put some stock in the Liverpool and Arsenal, Tottenham, taking the league down this year. Yeah, and I think the point I'll kind of end on on, on why I think it might be a good time to, to take the field you know, we saw how how rough City looked, not just with the loss of De Bruyne, but when they lost Rodrio from a red card suspension. You know, they were dropping points to teams that you know were in the lower half of the table. 
And with the four goals that they just gave up against Chelsea, it kind of shows that, you know, maybe they're not the most solid at the back right now. Um, Ederson has an injury. He's not going to Brazil to play this, this international break. Don't know how long that's going to last, but if they're going to be vulnerable at the back and, you know, they're going to try to win games three, two, like Klopp used to do, you know, when he first came to Liverpool, it, it, it certainly opens up the possibility for them to start dropping points. Um, and, and that might be where these other sides get the advantage. Let me just put it into quick context. As of today, City is still the heavy favorite, minus 250. Arsenal, plus 550. Liverpool, plus 600. Tottenham, plus 2,500. Uh, I think Liverpool at plus 600 or Arsenal at plus 550. Now's the time. Now is the time to strike. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. The, the last and perhaps most intriguing point here in the Premier League all three newly promoted sides, Burnley, Sheffield United, Luton Town, all sitting in the relegation zone. The last time all three newly promoted sides were relegated the following season, you have to go back to 97-98. Bolton, Barnsley, Crystal Palace. Buy or sell, at least one of those three teams can secure safety and stay in the Premier League into 2024-25. It's going to be tough. Um, especially, I mean, Lutton Town, it's a great story. Happy for them to make it this far. Uh, surprisingly, they're the highest one out of the bottom three, really. So if anyone has a chance, it might be them based on points, even though they're all separated only by two. Um, the good thing that might help them is the news that came out, I believe it was today, about Everton being yep. stripped of 12 points and potentially going down to two. That might be the best thing for one of them to be able to eke out. Now, do I think realistically, is it possible? Not really, even though Everton haven't played the most interesting style of football. I mean, especially that's kind of expected with Sean Deitch. Um, but I, I would it's 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 hard. It really is. I, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that they're all going to go down. I don't think one of them is able to do it. Maybe if they get a good string of games and a team like Bournemouth is able to drop more, you know, they're only separated by three points uh, while Lutton Town in them. But I'm going to say no. I think I think all three are going to are going back down. Yeah, it's I think the interesting point is kind of what you started with, which is Luton Town are of the three, the ones that are closest to safety. Um, you know, I, I think coming into this this season, Nick, you and I kind of discussed in the season preview that. You know, Luton Town didn't come out and, and spend a lot of money to try to, you know, build up their squad like you see a lot of these newly promoted sides do. You know, Nottingham Forest famously did it last season where I think they they brought in like 11 players. You know, Luton Town were coming in this thing, like, we're going to build out our infrastructure. We're probably going to go back down, but we'll be better poised to make another return at some point in the next year or two. And then we can kind of spend the money on the players and, and try to make a more, um, you know, manageable return to the Premier League. So the fact that they're sitting there at 18th and Burnley, who I think was the club that Nick, you and I picked that being maybe the surprise coming up based off of how well they performed the championship last season, led the, led the uh, losers of five straight scored. losers of five straight. You know, I, I made the moniker, you know, not your father's Burnley because they were actually scoring goals under Vincent company. And it, it's actually for all the wrong reasons. They, they are the last place team in, in goal scored with just, I think nine goals on the season. Um, they've conceded 30, which is very unburnley like they've struggled the most out of anybody. Um, and so if I were to, you know, buy one of these clubs staying up, you normally I would be doing it based off of the back of my expectations for Burnley, but I don't see it right now. 
Um, and then the club that I haven't talked about, Sheffield United, has actually looked decent the last two matches. They they drew last week and they they picked up a, a pretty big win um, against Wolves, I think, the week before. So um, maybe getting a little momentum there. Maybe they're the club to to make the to, the run here. Um, so I think there's a lot of you know pressure maybe on Sheffield United to be the club that kind of holds that um, you know the or breaks the trend um, and, and keeps the, keeps the, the newly promoted sides up. But uh, right now I don't see it, you know, especially I guess, you know, what you guys said is if Everton's losing points then, then maybe that's the hope. But um, you know, when you're looking at the table right now, there, there are three points back already. I think Bournemouth have been pretty bad, but uh, I think they have, you know, quality talent that can turn it around. They've got a good striker in Solanke. So uh, then after that, you know, Fulham at 12 points, Nottingham Forest at 13 it, it gets a little tricky. So, uh, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to sell it right now because it, it's tough to see yeah. who would slot in. Uh, and realistically, the only one that I think has a chance based off of recent form would be Sheffield United. And, and I don't love them as a squad. Yeah. Uh, make it a straight sell. I'm selling this as well. I think even if Everton get that, you know, deducted points, they still already have four wins in 12 matches. I mean, I'm trying to think of how long it took them to get four wins last year. So they've looked better. Um, you know, if they were to go down to two points, they, you know, they're still only two wins away from yeah. potentially, you know, being in, in being 17th safe. place. So it's, it's really, it's not that bad. Um, you know, I think, like you said, Bournemouth's been good. Uh, you know, they won two of their last three games, so they have a little bit of hope. I, I don't see it for any of the other teams. I mean, uh, especially Sheffield and Burnley, they're both minus 21 goal differential. I mean, you can't, that's going to be really tough to turn around. I, I just, I, I don't see any hope. So can Luton Town do it? Maybe, um, but it, it's going to take an awful, awful lot. One win out of 12 matches. Um, you know, Bournemouth only has two wins, but th- th- I don't know. I, I just think that experience as we get into March, April, May, uh, that's what's going to set Bournemouth apart and probably keep them safe in this instance. Yeah, and it also helps that a lot of those players have Premier League experience and they're prepared to kind of, you know, when they get into the relegation battle, like they know what it's going to take to to keep them up. Yep. And you can ask Everton fans how important that is because Everton have been very close to going down the last two seasons and, and they've managed to scrape together, you know, the five or six points needed in April to kind of keep them above, you know, above the water. So um yeah i think it's it's tough one of these clubs are gonna have to get really hot or they're gonna have to make like a surprise move in january to bring in like the stud midfielder that kind of you know anchors things um and i don't see it i certainly don't see from luton town you know i think their their plan has been pretty clear and you know burnley i just think they're they're too far adrift right now it just doesn't make sense for sure all right any closing thoughts on the premier league before we move over no, I mean, I think it's been a great season so far. I mean, we're about a third of the way in now. Um, so we'll we'll get into the meat of the season now where you get that holiday period. You start getting the, you know, the fixtures getting a little tighter together and hopefully start to see some separation at the top, um, a little bit like Serie A. So maybe that's my, my segue there. Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, as I mentioned, my boy Gianni here does have depth of football knowledge, but this is where he makes his bread and butter. So excited to get into Serie A. I'm going to start out with his team and maybe the fiercest rival, a team that we are very hard on here on kicks and picks. We also praise them when they deserve it. Inter and Juve after 
12 weeks are now the top two squads in the league. They've separated themselves. I think a uh, big matchup coming up relatively soon, right? Right after this international break. Juve, somewhat in the midst of a drought, right? They haven't won a Scudetto since uh, the 1920 season. So nine consecutive before that. Inter looking to add that second star. Um, The real question here is buy or sell Juve can find themselves back on top. Listen, this is completely unbiased, although it may come off as biased, but they, I'm selling it. Uh, Allegri, he can get all the lucky wins he wants. It's, it, you can't Ooh. do it against the big boys in Serie A. It's easy to get away with it against the Salernitanas and the Empolis and the, the Genoas of the league. But when you're going up against a team like Inter in the form that we are currently in, you can't just sit back and have only 15% possession, 20% possession, and expect to come away with three points. Now, is it possible they get a draw? Absolutely. I mean, they are very organized at the back. Bremer is playing as one of the, if not the best, uh, defender in Serie A. But I just don't see them really with the firepower they have on front. You know, Chiesa can't stay healthy. Moise Keane sometimes has to lead the line. Vlaovic has fallen out of favor. And even when he is on the pitch, he doesn't seem to have an impact. Um, you know, I've said it with amongst friends. If if he was on a team that gave him good, clear service, I think he would be back to scoring his 20, 25 goals in the league. So I just don't see it really like where where are the wins going to come from against the top six, eight teams in the league, really? Like Bologna is not an easy team. I know that's those are your boys, but you saw how they, you know, they they played in dead down two nil, came back and, and were able to equalize it. So you can't really you. You have to outscore teams. You have to put up three goals sometimes on teams in Serie A if you want to ensure a victory. It's it's such a competitive league from top to bottom. Um, I just don't really see Juve. That doesn't mean that they're not going to – I think they'll be second or third at worst, but I don't see them winning the league. I agree with, with everything, um, and I think the points are, are all valid. And, and I think if you're forced to, to pick a winner at this stage, like, yeah, Inter makes sense. They, they have by far the best attack in the league. Their defense has been just as good. Um I think if I had to buy or sell, I would buy it right now purely because of the price. Um, it seems like, you know, Juve, although two points off, are sitting around plus 300. Um, yep. And we talked about it last year, Nick. Like, they just find ways to to get results. And, yeah, I know we just talked about maybe they're lucky, but it, it it's it's Allegri at his finest. He finally he finds ways to get three points. Um, it's It can be frustrating at times. And all I need, or all I need to know about Juve right now, and, and how they're performing, is how Nick treats Allegri on Twitter. Because last yep. season, Nick was tweeting out the Allegri in a suit meme nonstop. Oh yeah. And now I think I just saw a, a tweet from Nick praising him and calling him the best manager in, in Italy. So uh, I think that speaks volumes Excuse about where me? Juve are and, and what their prospects are. Yeah, listen, I think it's true. Um, it, it pains me to say he's not my favorite, but like at a time like this where I'm watching Maurizio Sarri in year three and all he does is complain, he doesn't change his tactics, he doesn't motivate players. And then I watch Allegri, who the Calcio experts on Twitter bash week in, week out. Uh, all, all you hear is negative things about him. And here he is just racking up three points after three points. You know, you had a year last year where – Juve went through a lot off the field. They're going through a lot, I guess, this year off the field. I haven't heard this guy complain once. It, it's like a, a breath of fresh air, quite honestly, compared to the Saudis, the Mourinho's, um, 
of the world. So I, I have to give credit where it's due. I think he's getting an awful lot out of a squad that's okay. Uh, you know, you mentioned Bramer. He's fantastic. Uh, Chesney's having a, a great year. We have to give him credit. I, I didn't yeah. rate him uh, all that highly, but he's he's really playing well. And they're finding ways to score, right? And they, they trot out a different lineup just about every week. Um, so you have to give them credit where it's due. Scotty's point, I mean, plus 300 on them uh, at this point in the season is good, but I will still sell it because I said it when we came on for the preview on uh, on interviews. Inter is the best team. There's there's no doubt about it. They have the most depth. I think Inzaghi is the second best coach in the league. Uh, I loved him at Lazio. I'm upset we got rid of him. He's done a phenomenal job with Inter. You know, last year's Champions League final, that doesn't happen by mistake. I don't care what anybody says. And mentioned it. Lotaro Martinez, like this, he's finding it, right? Like he didn't come close to, to reaching his potential. He still might not be reaching his potential. This guy is everything you want in a forward. He's He's been there for, what, four or five years now? I mean, consistency is everything. He's got a player now next to him, you know, not the corpse of Jekko or, or Correa or, you know, Lukaku when he feels like playing or when he's not overweight. Like now Turan playing with him, it's it's exactly the guy to compliment him. So everything to me is falling into place. The only advantage Juve have is that they're playing once a week, right? They, they don't have that commitment. Inter is going to run into hard games in the Champions League. You know, they already kind of have... Um, the Coppa Italia is coming up. Obviously, they they want to win the Scudetto. They still can, um, but this this turned from a, a two horse race. You know, me thinking it was Inter and Milan to now a two horse race with Inter and Juventus. So, I'm going to sell it. I still think Inter is the best team. Uh, I think they're the most equipped to do it. But you have to give Juve credit. Uh, it's just if you're not giving them credit, you're you're just a you know, you just hate them. I, I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, I do give him credit. I mean, you know, we, we talked about it actually on our Twitter space today, just how Allegri is getting a lot out of a team that's not very good. This isn't the team that he was coaching when he was winning, you know, titles after titles with, with, with Juve. He doesn't have, you know, the Vidal's, the Pogba as well. He does have Pogba, but not that iteration of Pogba. <laughs> um, no Pirlo's, you know, I mean, he's he doesn't have really world-class players Except for maybe Bremer, you can make the case for Bremer being one. Yep. Um, you know, injuries are piling up for that team now. The you know the stuff with Fagioli and 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 the, the issues with Vlaovic, Kostic not playing really up to the expectations for sure. I mean, I, I you could see you could see how Juve fans react whenever he plays over Cambiaso and stuff. It's it's not the best team, and I would agree with you that him only have to worry about one competition per week definitely makes it easier for them for sure. Um, but I also think that, you know, with the way Inzaghi talked about the beginning of the year, the importance of getting that second star, upper management saying the same thing, ownership saying the same thing. I really think they're going to look at the Coppa Italia as a throwaway. They're going to just try to, you know, throw out a bunch of kids against Bologna in that first round. And, and if they get through whatever, they'll get through and they'll, they'll go. But if they lose, I don't think they really care. I mean, we won the Coppa, Coppa Italia the last two times. Champions League, I'm. I don't think they're as focused. Not that they're not trying, but I think that they really are putting an emphasis on getting that second star. They see the window being perfect right now, and you can make the argument that you know Inzaghi kind of threw away the last two years. Maybe two years ago for sure, you could say that. 
last season Napoli was just nobody was going to top Napoli no matter what you know he did so um although they do have just the one thing I still think that that Inter like you said the depth is there currently you could say we have the best goalkeeper the best midfielder and the best forward um and I feel like when you have the best at those key areas that can take you all the way so no disrespect to Juve Uh, I just think that this is uh if it if it if Inter don't win, uh, it's really of our own doing. Not so much Juve doing anything truly that much better. Just having to focus on one thing, really. Yeah, I agree. And and it's one thing uh, we tried. We brought up here a couple of times because I agree with you. I think Sommer's been, um, you know, the most underrated signing maybe of the season. Right? This guy is to me is the best goalkeeper in the league. I, I absolutely agree. It's it's. People were thinking it was going to be a downgrade. Uh, I'm glad that he's proving them wrong. I, listen, I had somebody, I had somebody who you know, you know very well, attacking me because uh, I said that Jan Sommer right now is the, already the second best goalkeeper in the league, and they got really upset because I did not mention Provedel, and I said it wasn't a shot against Provedel. It's just I know how good Jan Sommer is, and I mean, look at that. I mean, Manjan hasn't played up to his potential, and and Sommer has yep. been instrumental for us making big saves and big moments and he had maybe one howler uh i forget now it might have been against bologna if i'm not mistaken but you know what like i i think goalkeepers are allowed to do you know have one mistake in their game you know i mean under onana had a few when he was at inter obviously man U fans can't stand him um tons now (laughs) yeah yeah it's a lot harder when you don't have a good uh defensive line in front of you either but that's for another day um but yeah no summer has been a breath of fresh air for sure. I feel such a sense of calm with him in net. And I think that, you know, when you have a goalkeeper of that quality, it makes it, things a lot easier on the rest of your squad in general. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, like I was going to say, Scotty and I have fond memories of him. We were in Las Vegas during the euros uh, and he, he took France out. He did the deed. So he's always, uh, always got a special spot in our hearts after that game. Um. So let's let's move on to the race for top four. It's uh, you know typical Serie A over the past couple of years, tightly contested as ever. Currently, we have six clubs within four points of fourth place. Napoli just suffered a loss to Empoli at home. Fired Rudy Garcia. I can tell you that I'm looking at two people. Uh, the three of us were very critical of the hire. I think at us and much of the world have been proven right. So the question here, buy or sell, Napoli will fail to qualify for Champions League the season after they win the Scudetto. I'll go first because I kind of, I think I talked Nick into this point maybe an episode or two ago, um, and and which means I'm going to buy this. Uh, I think that Napoli are, are really close to flirting with disaster. I know that in order for them to fall out, there's going to have to be somebody below them that kind of goes on a run and has some consistent form, which almost never seems to happen in Serie A. So there's going to be ups and downs. But true, yeah, I mean, we just talked about Tottenham losing Sun for for January. We talked about Salah, um, you know, leaving Liverpool, and now we get to talk about Osimhen leaving Napoli in January. Um, so it's, it, it, I think they're going to be in, in a tough spot for you know several months um yeah it, it, it's a tough it's a tough one for me because it, it just seems like they are closer to having the wheels fall off and, and them kind of you know capitulate a bit than it is for them to kind of put it back together and put in a good run of form i mean if they lose Kavara for an injury for any sort of duration of time it, it's it's going to be a, a really tough scene for them 
Yeah, look, um, they already made a new managerial hire with Walter Mazzotti. The guy hasn't been relevant since 2013. Um, it's the last time he's actually taken a club to to Champions League. And now you bring him in to kind of bring back some kind of magic. I don't think you could have had a worse hire given the circumstances. His his style is antiquated. It's he's the game is like just blown past him. Not only is Osimhen going to be leaving in January, but you're also going to be losing Anguisa. That's another big guy in the midfield to to be to be without. And my goodness, I just don't see them hanging on to to Champions League football. I mean, it, it's already looked bad. You know, I. I I saw some sign. I listen. I love Jesper Lindstrom. I mean, any anyone who saw me over the summer, I was pining for Inter to go after this guy, even though he doesn't really fit the system. He's more of an attacking midfielder and can play out in the wing, which is where Napoli been using him. I thought that he would be such an instrumental key player. Hasn't really had much of an impact there. Um, that doesn't mean he won't. Um, but right now, you know, there. I mean, Rudy Garcia was relying on Politano, who was having a bit of a renaissance, and and Raspadori was kind of bailing him out of games as well. But I just don't see... Now you're going to have to switch formations entirely. You're going to a back three. This team isn't built to play with a back three. You know, God forbid they have an injury to a center back. Now you're relying on on, on Jonathan and, and Leo Ostergaard possibly. And, and both of them... I said Jonathan. I'm meaning Juan Jesus. Just, they're both equally as bad. That's probably why they were on the Same line thing. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but you have those guys in there. I mean, you're going to be struggling. And with the way the goalkeepers have looked, you know, Medet hasn't been as sharp as he was last season. You know, we had a uh, glorious, you know, Golini step in and listen, that, that's a wonder goal against them from Empoli. You can't yeah. really blame the keeper there. However, he's not the most confident goalkeeper himself. He's very weak in the air. Reactions are, aren't fantastic. So I just don't see this Napoli team hanging on and, you know, some people were saying it was the start of a dynasty, and this might have been the shortest run dynasty we'll ever see in Serie A. So, yeah, listen, it starts with the, the hire of Garcia, right? We talked about it. We all have yeah. said it now for months. I think he, this appointment of Matsadi to me, it's it's almost like you're punting the year, right? There, you couldn't get anybody else, and you're saying, okay, who can I hire that I know I don't have to commit to beyond this season? Right, because I'm going to make a big push for somebody else in the summer. You know, maybe maybe somebody wants to come back or somebody wants to move up to a bigger club. And this was the guy that they could bring in. Now, if he's coming in to settle the locker room to to get happy vibes going, sure, that's fine. If he's coming in to expect to make a serious challenge for the league and stay in top four, he's going to have to prove a whole lot of people wrong, right? I, I don't think there's one person that I've seen, Napoli fan or otherwise, that's saying this is a good hire. So interested to see what happens there. Um, you guys mentioned, right, Osimhen, he's been hurt and he's going to go to AFCON, right? His goal at this point is to be healthy for AFCON. That's a disaster. Kavada's been still good, but I, I think he's being figured out a little bit. I mean, that that was always going to happen. Um Politano, I have to give him credit, right? I, he's the Italian Lozano, but he's had a he's had a good year so far. Um, I can't hate too much on him. Raspadori, you know, he's okay. Same type of thing. Not my favorite player. The one that's interesting to me is Simeone uh, because this guy, you know, pretty proven in Serie A. He's got some talent. I figured when Osimhen went down, he was going to just jump right into that starting spot. 
I don't know if he had pictures of Garcia's wife or, or what, but um, he never saw the field, right? He was getting like five, 10 minutes at the end of the game. So maybe that changes under Matsadi. I'm not sure. But my big issue with Napoli falling out of the top four, because we have a clear three, Inter, Juve, Milan, right? They're locks for top four. It, it, I can't see any scenario where those three teams don't make it. Um, who do we trust to come in and take the spot? Is it Atalanta? Is it Fiorentina? Is it Roma? Is it Lazio? I can't buy any one of those teams. I mean, maybe Roma, and only because of the talent they have, I think Lukaku and Dybala start on any team in the league. Um, but they have an injury crisis of their own. They're focused on winning the Conference League or Europa League, whatever league they're playing in right now. They can't get out of their own way week after week, right? They they win a couple games, then they lose. They draw. They win. Um, so I don't know. Fiorentina, to me, overrated. I think Italiano's overrated. So Atalanta kind of becomes that default team for me. They're only one point behind them, but they're the same old Atalanta, right? Until they prove to me that they're going to rattle off three, four wins in a row or that they can beat a shitty team away uh, at home, right? In front of their own fans. I can't really buy them either. So who's taking Napoli's spot? That, that's really where I'm struggling with this question. Yeah, I think you're close. I mean, I, I, if, if I had a guess, I would say it's probably between Atalanta and Roma. I like Atalanta a bit more. I think Skamaka has been... A lot better this season. Obviously, he struggled at better West than Ham I thought last he would year. Be. Yeah. So I, I think that's certainly helpful. Um, you know, I have a personal soft spot for Lookman because I think when he does play well, he looks like he's one of those like top wingers, but he's so inconsistent yeah. that he also has games where he's just invisible. So if but he's if, another guy that's going to miss a month, right? He's going to play for Nigeria. Yep, it's true. Um, right, yeah. So I, I think it would be between those two. I mean, Coop Miners. I I remember watching him at Euros and thinking that you know, is this really what what you know, the Dutch have to offer it as like their starting midfielder. And he's been pretty, pretty strong this season. So, um, it, yeah, I, I, I probably pencil them in over Napoli, but. So just to give you the odds, Napoli is minus 175 to make top four. Atalanta is plus 190. And then you have to go to plus 450 for Fiorentina, Roma, or Lazio. So still heavy favorites from the books to finish in that top four spot. Is that now? Is that before or after Matsadi was hired? Are those is when that's those numbers cr- came? right now? Live right odds. now, even live with odds. Matsadi, looking yeah. at them. Yep, yep. Maybe they know something I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I would feel pretty good about so, putting some putting some money on on Roma and Lazio. Then, to be quite honest, just because I have okay, that's how little faith I have in Walter Matsadi. Like this guy's a disaster. Like he got Cagliari relegated. Yeah. Like he was his tactics are just so. Terrible. And listen, somebody put it very well, and they said he's Antonio Conte in terms of attitude without the skill of, of managing his players. That's the best yeah. way you could put it. He, okay. he will not inspire anybody. He will not come out with anything creative to, to help put his club in the best position to win. And it's just going to be, you know, some good rah-rah. I'm going to talk bad about my players, throw them under the bus, hope it gets a reaction out of them, and it doesn't. And then you just continue to fail and drop points. So, listen, if he proves me wrong, I'll, I'll have no problem admitting I was wrong about Mazzari. But yeah, everybody. I, listen, it's it's 10 years. 10 years since he's actually been successful. I, I don't see I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong. He got Watford relegated too, right? Yes, he did. Or, or was... Or- or were they still up? I mean, well, everybody okay. can get Watford Sorry, he relegated. Got, he got fired before they got relegated, <laughs> yeah. but they were already in the relegation zone when he was fired. Gotcha. 
Yeah, so, Watford yeah, goes through so. managers every six months, so it, it's tough to pin it on yeah. any single manager. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I mean, the, the last thing I'll say before we move on, I, I kind of agree with you, Johnny, and I, and I say this a lot, and one of these days it's going to come true. I think the runway for Roma and Lazio is still in front of them, right? Like, we kind of know who Napoli are at this point. We know their limitations. We know what's held them back. You have Roma and Lazio who off to probably the worst start either team has had in, um, you know, the the past 10 years, let's say. So could they make up a four or five point deficit? I think they could do that pretty quickly. Um, just have to prove it. So the, the last one, uh, the early adopter of the Bologna bandwagon, my good friend here. So want to bring them into the conversation. Currently in eighth place, level on points with Roma. Promoted 2015, bottom to mid-table club every season since. We always make the joke, right? Ninth to 14th place. That's where home is. Ninth place last year. Uh, the buyer sell, can they, for the first time since Sassuolo in 16-17, make that jump to a European qualification spot? First time, uh, when I say Sassuolo, outside of the traditional seven teams that have made it or eight teams, I guess, Atalanta. Can Bologna do it? Gianni, you've been on my side with this squad. Are you a believer? I am 100% a believer in this squad. Um, you know, to my good friend, Tony has given your coach, former Interista, Tiago Mota, the nickname Money Mota. Like that guy is just, he really has progressive style of football playing he's got these guys playing fantastically i love lewis ferguson i love uh posh i love obviously your boy orsolini and just what what these guys are able to do and even xerxes i wasn't the biggest fan of xerxes i thought he was a very limited forward um very like good in technical ability not great in terms of finishing or even reading the the pitch like i feel like sometimes he just wouldn't look up. He was one of those guys who would just be looking down at where the ball was at his feet. And I'd be like, my goodness, if you just picked your head up, you could find Orsolini running in. You could find somebody moving. Like, um, But now he's looking a lot more confident. Uh, and I definitely think his link-up play between him and Ricardo has been just fun to watch. Uh, maybe maybe they need a reinforcement in January window. You know, I would think maybe another midfielder, possibly a center back, I think, who could really be an imposing force. Um, back there, you know, Skorupski, pretty solid goalkeeper. Nothing terrible, nothing great, but sometimes he can make saves that are like, I, I mean, there's two guys that as an Inter fan that, of goalkeepers that I can't stand going up against because sometimes they play like prime Buffon and one Skorupski and the other is, uh, oh my gosh, and I just forgot his name from Sassuolo, but he always seems to play like uh, just prime Buffon against us. Uh, Consigli, there we go. Um, yep. I could totally just see these guys being able to get in. I think, you know, I mean, look what they did against Juve. Look what they did against Milan, Inter so far. They don't back down from the from a challenge, and I just really could see them getting it. And not just in, like, a conference league. I could potentially, if they can get a good string of games in and just win, get max points, not just draw. Like, you have to get, like, three, four wins in a row. Um, I could see them getting into to a Europa League spot because Mota is a difference maker. And he's going to get picked up by a bigger club after this season without a doubt, because he's just that much of a difference maker. Yeah. I mean, I'll buy it too. Um, I can't beat anything that you've just said. Uh, but for me, usually what I like to see is, is the teams that can kind of go on those unbeaten runs um, point taken though. They do have a handful of draws that are mixed in there, which, which is tough, but 
you know, in, in Serie A, it's, you know, as long as you're in the mix, if you can keep those results coming and keep, you know, generating the points, it's going to keep you in the conversation. And then, yeah, all it takes is that one stretch where you put three or four wins together and that's usually enough. So, um, yeah, I mean, they lost Fiorentina last weekend. Um, that was their first loss since the opening match, right? Yeah. Against Milan. So they can put together another string of 10 matches to get them into to January and, and beyond. And yeah, I certainly think they'll be well in the conversation. And that was a tough loss. Um, it was a game that they, they controlled a lot of it. They had a couple of uh, VAR decisions go against them, but I think you guys hit the nail on the head. Um, Ferguson is outstanding. He's like an old school footballer to me, right? A little, little bit of that just genius that you love to see when he has the ball. Uh, Xerxes, to me, where agree, I'm not his biggest fan. I don't think he could lead the line by himself. I, I, I don't think they necessarily expected Arnautovic to leave. Um, I know, you know, they're, they're lacking a little bit of depth up front behind him, but he has turned few chances into goals over in this unbeaten run. So you have to like that. Um, Orsolini, everybody, you know, my favorite player. I think this guy could change the game by himself. He um, he's definitely seen the ball a lot less than he has in recent seasons. I know he started out the year with a hamstring issue, so that hindered them a little bit, but they have a lot of guys that are not household names and the fact that they can collectively come together um, doesn't seem to be really any egos on the team. I think Malta really has instilled that in them. You mentioned it. He's a difference maker. He's won every single place he's ever been. Um, you know, he obviously knows the Italian game inside and out. And this is like a, a big squad for him to get his real first chance. And he's, you know, proving Joey Saputo, right? So you'd love to see that. Um, the, the guys that have been really unheralded to me are Liko Giannis, the Greek defender, and um, Calafiori from the, I think he came from Roma, if I'm not mistaken. These guys have been awesome in the back. So uh, they're not giving up a lot of goals. And that, that really is the difference between, you know, last year and this year. I think only 10 goals given up through 12 games. So less than a goal a game. If they're going to have any chance of doing it, I think that's the way. I think they're better than Monza. They're better than Torino. They're better than, you know, a, a Frosinone, a Genoa, a Sassuolo. So I think the teams below them are not of concern. It's just going to come down to, you know, what does Fiorentina do? What does Roma or Lazio or Atalanta do? If, if any of those teams fall under a bad streak, Bologna might be able to do it. And and I think the the lack of expectation on them really could be something that carries them into a, a seventh or, you know, potentially even eighth place spot, depending on how many spots we get this year. Uh, I don't know. The coefficients are changing. So love it. Appreciate you uh, riding this team and, and the wave with me. Listen, I'm telling you, if, if in January they can maybe go to like Verona and raid for, for Josh Doig and maybe like a, a Thomas Henry, who's not like the most exciting striker, but he's great in the air and he's a good finisher. Like you get some reinforcements that way. I think, I think they're a shoe in for, yep. for, for top six, really. Yeah, they need depth, 100%. I think it's, uh, it's it's a midfielder or two. It's definitely some forward depth. If they can find a stretch where they score some goals, they could definitely make a run. Um, so, Johnny, let's, anything else you want to touch on in, in Serie A that we haven't brought up yet? Anything that surprises you? Anything that you were dead right about through 12 games that you want to brag about other than Somer? I think my biggest surprise would, would have to be Genoa. You know, I mean, they were a team that I was pretty excited about. They have a lot of players that I, I personally like. 
especially when you think of like Goodmanson and and my personal favorite guy who I was hyping up for for the Italian national team, uh, Retegi. Yep. I mean, to see them right now sitting 13th after just being promoted, uh, I think if they can get Retegi to be healthy, you know, they have Ruslan Malinovsky who's got a lethal left foot. Um, if they can get everybody healthy and playing, you know, the the way they have been so far this season, I really like what Girardino is doing there. You know, I did not expect him to be this good. You know, when you when you think of guys who used to play for the national team and even from that 06 team, you know, you look at how Canavaro hasn't really done much outside of China. Um, Filippo Inzaghi is just a mess no matter where he goes. Terrible. Um, yeah. And I think actually the only one. Pirlo, who, terrible. Pirlo, yep. I forgot about Pirlo being a match too. Yes, terrible. Um, I would have, if you would have told me those guys who would be your least likely to be successful, I probably would have said Girardino. Um, but no, he's got them playing like a beautiful brand of football, and and I really like what they're doing um, there. And I, I hope that they they continue like this because you know, listen, the the Albert Goodmanson is is a guy who I think is going to attract the eyes of a lot of awesome. teams, not not just Serie A. I think EPL teams will come looking for him. Um, and Retegi, man, the guy is just. He reminds me so much of Mauro Icardi, just without the you know the crazy wife to to kind of ruin his career. Um, the guy's a lethal finisher in the box. Like, I, I, yep. it's funny we went we went for for Arnautovic for ten million. We could have got this guy for twelve. It, it's infuriating when you think about it. Yes, he may not have had the opportunities at Inter that he has at Genoa, but to see yep. what he's doing and and what Girardino's doing there with those young players is 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 beautiful. And I I, I hope that they can finish in the top ten because I think that'll be really exciting. I definitely agree with you. I think uh, Gumanson to me, like that's classic. He'll be on like Brighton or Newcastle next year, right? Like one of those teams oh, is God. coming and poaching yeah. this dude. There's, there's no question about it. Uh, he's been awesome. Rategi, I couldn't agree more. I think if he is on a better team, he is a 20 goal scorer this year. Um, you know, obviously injury hasn't helped him, but his reading of the game and his instincts are, are really, really fun to watch. Um and you mentioned it, man. Some of these these young Italian coaches are starting to put their mark on the league. I think Monza is another team that you know, yeah, kind of expected them in that thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth place. They're they're battling with seventeen points, right? They're they're level with Lazio. Um, you know, they're they're giving up less than a goal a game. Um, it, it's been fun to watch, and, and Scotty will agree, right? We talk about it week in and week out for two years now. You don't know what you're going to get out of this league from week to week. Anytime you think a team is going to go on a little bit of a run, uh, you know, they're going to replicate the performance of last week, good or bad, they do the opposite. So it's the most volatile league to bet, but it's definitely the most fun league to bet, uh, you know, along the way. Scott, I thought you were going to agree with me there. That's what that was like. I mean, I do agree with you. I I mean, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was well. No, I do agree. I'm just I'm letting letting make, making sure the, the the Serie A experts have their their say before I chime in with my my very mediocre analysis. But yeah, I mean it is. It's it's definitely the league where like you can watch, you know, that anybody in the bottom half of the table upset anybody that's currently sitting in the top four, and and it really, not that it like it just doesn't surprise you that much. Like you see, and you're like, yeah, it's one of those matches, and and that's why we talked about it with you know that that race for the top four with Napoli, and there's seven some odd clubs that can sneak it sneak in like it, it really could be any one of them because at the end of the day like they're all going to be in the conversation probably up until april and then you'll have the last few matches or maybe two or three are the ones that are making the case for him um and it's usually the ones that just have been able to string together like those you know two or three win you know streaks against the the lower t- clubs or, or have pulled an upset of their own against an inter or uve yeah. 
And that's the difference. So. Sure. Gianni gun to your head. Is Italy going to qualify for Euro 2024? Gosh, man. The. Have they played North Macedonia yet? Isn't that their, their, their big old, like the bugaboo team enemy. Yeah, the bugaboo team. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, well, I think, I think we for. drew one. We drew against them, right? The, earlier in the, the we I don't did, even remember. Yeah, in, earlier in qualification. Yeah. So, oh man, we 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 can't miss another tournament, right? Like we we can't. Uh, right? I like, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's so hard, man. It really is. I uh, gun to my head. I'm going to say yes. We qualify. And then if you don't hear from okay. me in 2024, then you know that they pulled the trigger because I, I was wrong. But is it is it yeah. top three teams in their group or top two that, that qualify? Top two. Top two. Top two. Uh, yeah. I think third goes to a so playoff. We right? got Okay. Yeah. Right. So we got the part-time bus drivers in North Macedonia, followed by, you know, uh Feelings FC in Ukraine. So it's gonna be a tough I mean it's gonna come down to that Ukraine games. match, really. I mean, I assume you can you at least think. beat north macedonia well scott you can you can reference my tweet on the projected starting lineup and the 433 uh yeah, that no, we're just I gonna keep going back to for four years up. yeah had to uh johnny thank you dude so much for coming on please let all the listeners know what it is you're up to your fantastic show i i didn't do it justice with my intro because i want you to talk about it but uh show we've I've had the pleasure of being a guest on it, it, that listen to weekly not even an inter fan you guys make it so enjoyable so uh please let everybody know what's going on no nah, man i appreciate that yeah no uh nick's definitely been our most invited guest i mean the people love when he comes on and he'll, he'll give us our picks too and, and gives a lot of good insights from, from an unbiased opinion um whereas me and alessandro can be a little biased sometimes i mean we are inter fans after all uh, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at sauce GMP. Uh, and then on the podcast, it's interviews underscore pod, but a zero instead of the O. And um, yeah, I mean, if you want to, we're on every uh, podcast platform, Spotify, Google podcasts, even though I think that's going away, Apple podcasts, um, you just look up interviews podcast and, and you'll see it. You know, it's a, the logo is a, a throwback to the 93, 94 inter kit, which is like my all time favorite away kit it's beautiful I'm, I'm trying to get my hands on an actual one but yeah no i appreciate it man appreciate the invite you know i love what you guys do nick's won me uh, some money in the past so i mean i'm glad i don't know the epl as well as he does because i would have listened to him uh full heartedly last couple of weeks based on his picks but yeah um don't do that uh, if, in terms of everything else man the guy's fantastic so yeah thank you for the invite bro Appreciate it, brother. Thank you, guys. That'll do it for this week. We will catch you all after the international break. 